Hello, I'm Connor McLoon and welcome to the You're Not On The List podcast produced weekly for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. From festival owners to DJs, we take a look at what people have witnessed backstage, on stage and everything in between. My guest this week is a bass music artist from Leeds. He's had a headline UK tour, supported Example on tour, adopted a fan for a day and played the likes of Creamfields and Warehouse Project, it's Livesey. During this episode, we discuss what his origins were into DJing, how he managed to set up a full UK tour without management, how he broke his foot on tour with Example and how it can sometimes take years to reach commercial success. My guest this week is a bass music artist and DJ from Leeds. He's had a headline tour around the UK and Germany. He supported Example on his UK tour, has played at Creamfields, Bass Fest, Printworks, Warehouse Project, Fabric. It's Livesey. Afternoon, lad. How are you? How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well. I'm very well. We are a week in to freedom. Uh, we were just talking a little bit before this uh, podcast, but being out this week a couple of times and then sort of walking through Manchester City Centre last night, it felt like the UK was back alive again. It felt like that there was a lot of energy around and that the people were just out, out having a good time. Um, was... You've played this week as well, haven't you? And yeah. you've experienced it firsthand. How have, you, how have you found it? Yeah, it's been so good. It's been weird though, don't you think? It's like, obviously... It's been amazing to see everyone back in action, but at the same time, after being locked in for 16 months, it's like you get you get like a bit of, ang- oh, me, myself, and a few people I spoke to, you get a bit of anxiety because it's like I'm proper not used to this. It's like we've been locked in for 16 months, the next thing you know, we're around 300 people, no social distancing, no masks, and it's like, wow. It is like breakneck speed, and yeah, there's a lot of people that have had anxiety and sort of worries, and rightfully so, like you said, it's just a culture change basically overnight, going from like, like you said, reserved, having to wear masks, having to wear everything. And then it's sort of like, right, you can go out now. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a massive change. And there's obviously a lot of people out there that have, that have not been able to experience like uh, people that would have turned like 18 or 19, like over lockdown and that there's, there's, there's a big backlog of people that have not been out to really even go out ever. Yeah, like exactly. That. Like imagine like freshers who started uni oh. in September or even last September, they've not, they've just like, they just started uni and been locked inside. It would be, yeah, it would be the absolute so worst. Big. But, um, but hopefully everyone's being sensible and keeping safe out there. So what you were playing uh, on Friday, weren't you, this week, just gone in York. Was that the first event in how long? Uh, since since Example Tour. When were the last one? I think the last one were in London. Um, I remember playing that with like one leg, actually. I can't remember what day it was, but yeah. I think it was like mid-March. It was pretty much a week before lockdown. Like I remember just going from that, playing a full like sold-out three-week tour to then like absolute solidarity. It was so weird. <laughs> Yeah, that, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll get onto that example tour later as well because uh, I'm, I'm making a note to try and keep stuff chronological uh, yeah, in my questions yeah, and in my yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But um, but uh, yeah, that, I mean that's got that, and especially because that, that was su- that's such a big event there as well. Like it was a big nationwide tour, um, and going from like touring around the whole of the UK um, with example playing every night to uh, to then having to be like off work for basically. 18 months is it must be horrendous it must have been horrendous the last 18 months yeah it was weird um but to be fair like yeah i've just seen it not obviously as a positive but like i always try to look at the good things in stuff so i just try to 
use it as a just time to like work on my production and like anything I thought was like not necessarily wrong with me, but stuff like I don't know. Tried working out more, uh, like stop smoking, just, just like little things. I just like right, I've got actual time because I think that would a thing that a lot of people maybe yourself can appreciate is that like. We all live, especially at this age, you live such a busy life, like nonstop. And then next thing you know, we just had so much time for ourselves to do whatever. So it were like, yeah, I just tried focusing that energy on stuff that I've always wanted to do or always wanted to like improve on, I guess. What was the best thing that you, uh, what was the best thing that you achieved during the, during the free time and during the time off there and not down? Probably just producing. And it's like standard answer, but um, I just like made so much music and so much like music that i'm actually proud of and because before i were like i would make tunes but i was like eh. but it's like now like i'm happy like with a catalog i've got um especially the production standard because i always felt like my production standard wasn't always there um and just the genre wise as well because obviously a lot of people probably just know me for my baseline stuff um but i've always liked always like loved drum and bass and dubstep and random stuff and I've, like, i feel like i've started making that stuff to a point where I'd happily release it or if I play it next to another kind of big tune, it'd sound to that, well, I think it'd sound to that standard. So I'm like kind of happy with all that kind of side of stuff now. That's fantastic, mate. And um, as as like as you mentioned there, you've you've uh, you've you've produced bass line music before. You've dabbled in drum and bass now, uh, dubstep bits and pieces. If we were to throw it all the way back to the start um, of your career, so production career and DJing career and sort of like, earliest interests in music what would they uh, what would they be like your earliest memory of like going to see live music or like experience in music probably just uh same as a lot of people like just kind of the the bro step as they call it but you know like kind of just dubstep but skrillex nero flux pavilion um i still remember like getting fake id to see uh, the UKF night on in leeds and i think it was sub focus knife party cone sound it was such a good lineup for that time is um, this sort of like 2010 era yeah pretty much just a yeah. blue blue speaker era that's what yeah, i like to call yeah, it the, the blue UKF. speaker ukf speaker if you know you, you know, know it. It. Yeah. yeah exactly but yeah like that um, i remember seeing skrillex i think that were like a 16 plus show so i didn't need fake id for that um <laughs> did you, you didn't buy it did you you didn't buy a fake id just for that no show, no someone, yeah someone who had like a mutual friend who looked a lot like me like lent me it so i'm quite blessed in that term because i remember going with my friend who had like fake ID would look not like him. Like my friend were quite slim and the fake ID were quite a chubby lad. So yeah, <laughs> he had some troubles, but I was sound. And then what was it you were experiencing? Like that show, you were just like, this is sick. I want to produce music or this is sick. I want to DJ music or. Yeah, to be fair. So even before that, um, the first show I ever went to work, do you remember Bar 9, the dubstep producers? I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I seen them in a, in a, like a small club in Wakefield to about 20 people. Um, cause my mate were promoting, but I don't know why he were promoting to me. Cause I were like, I think I was like 14 at the time. <laughs> I remember, I remember going to school the next day with no sleep. I felt such a badass. Um, but yeah, seeing them and I were like, yeah, do you know what? This is actually sick. I want to do this. Um, cause I, my original plan was to train to be an architect. So it was kind of a bit of a curveball going from that to be a TJ. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose like if there's 20 people in the club there as well, like what was you still, the, the vibe was still great. You were just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. They were just me and me and two of my mates went, cause back then it were, it were that at that point where it were kind of like, do you know where like a new genre comes along and no one understands it? So everyone like, oh, he's that weird guy who listens to that dubstep music. Yeah. So they were like me and two of my mates who were only into it. So like, it was just such a, I just enjoyed like how everyone were just having a good time and like, yeah, there were no, there were no bad vibes. It was just all good vibes. Yeah. Cause there was a bit of a, I, I, I sort of with the bro steppy sort of American, um, high energy type stuff. 
like you can sort of get bad vibes at those shows where obviously it's high energy and everyone's sort of like trying to obviously mosh a little bit and go a bit mad. Um, it's good that like obviously you weren't really experiencing that or weren't put off by it, even if it was there really. Yeah, to be fair, it's been that annoying guy who used to be a part of it. But I think right. that's just like a young thing, I guess. I suppose yeah. when you when you're new to raves, you'll just do all work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do, you, um, do you still uh, do you still experience that now, sort of uh, at your shows? Like, is there is that because I don't know really. Like, there's some like well, I had a couple of people on the podcast before and like speaking about drum and bass MCs and like a lot of the MCs and drum and bass now are sort of starting to like try and just like disrupt people from like moshing or disrupt from like everyone opening up like a circle pit or stuff like that because they're worried about people's uh, safety and they're worried about like people being like, oh, we don't do that here type of thing. Um, have you ever like, like, uh, like are you sort of against it or would you ever sort of like break it up at all where you're like, ah, everyone's having a good time, let them do what they want to do? Uh, I suppose it depends. Like, I suppose if it's a group of lads who are up for it and it's not a massive one, yeah, but sometimes like, I've been there first and I still remember at Skrillex actually, there were uh, some guy just pushed a, a girl into the pit and like she got floored and people were stamping on her. I remember me and my mate were like, felt like Superman, just got, like, get out of the way and like picked her up. But like, it depends. It's an hard one. If people are enjoying themselves, fairs, but if not, like, do you know what I mean? It's not for everyone. Mm. Um, so it's one of them, like, if I can see people getting pissed off, and obviously it can start fights and stuff. So that's I think the that's last the big one, isn't it? It's just yeah. uh, someone takes something the wrong way or someone's had a couple of drinks, pushes someone too hard, and then there's a scrap happening. And like, it's just, especially yeah. where everyone's so close together as well. It's like, oh, Christ, fuck's sake. Like, yeah, it's, really not, it's not the best thing. It all originates from, like, metal music. Like, I remember seeing, I used to go to this small venue called Iger Studios and see, like, proper metal gigs. And, like, their mosh pits there, like, people literally punch each other and then they're, like, hugging each other after, like, it's... Yeah, a bit of a mad vibe, but yeah, they're like maybe, hardcore shows, aren't they? That they yeah, sort of maybe, like, maybe, yeah, maybe stick like uh, mosh into that rather than like vocal drum and bass or liquid. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I've even seen it at tech events as well. It's like, eh, how do you mosh pit to tech house? <laughs> what to tech house events? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't that's remember mad. where, but I've seen it a few places. So I've definitely like, seen it at like Tank or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, but that might be like the clientele that are used to like, obviously like baseline events. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, probably. But, um, I, I think the weirdest thing I ever saw at a tech house, it was like a live out street, outdoor street party in uh, just off Liverpool Street in London. And uh, still to this day, it's the weirdest thing that I've ever seen at a rave. But this, there, was a, there was a tech house DJ and they had an MC for I'm talking like for 90 minutes, this guy was emceeing over Tech House. I think it's like a live wow. act. Yeah. It's like, it was like 128 BPM and he emceed the whole thing. And I'm not talking like, not like a hype man or anything, like properly emceed over the whole thing. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, that is quite a, a, live, actually, a live show. Yeah, uh, the crowd was feeling it though. It was like it was guy. It was like a guy Gerber event. It was like a, a sort of techno uh, tech house DJ, I think. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was bizarre. It was like in the summer as well. Just everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was a really really strange thing that's in there. But yeah, I haven't really seen. I haven't experienced like moshing or people starting to like pushy shove each other at a, a tech house event. Yeah, so, hopefully yeah. you will, but we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's, yeah, it's the Wild West out there now. Like I said, everyone's had a year off. They just want to go mad and fucking make up for a, a year and a half of uh, not being out there, really. Producing a multitude of tracks and styles, I wanted to speak to Oliver about how he got started in music production. Um, so what was it like? What was your what was your sort of like first gigs then into DJing? Like if that, that's sort of like the shows you went to go see, like that early dubstep sort of 2010 era, since Skrillex in Bar 9 and stuff like that. What made, like what was the first set of decks you picked up or like what was the first sort of program you were using like for production? So I, I DJed first. I had this like proper, re, like this crappy re-loop controller. Um, it was like £100. I got it for my 
think I got it for my 15th birthday. Um, so I used to just jam out on that. And then I used to do this um, course called like Creative and Media Diploma. And for the last for the last like um, subject or whatever for it, you could like pick your like multi-module, but one of them were uh, you could make your own event. So I was like, oh yeah, right, uh, bang on. So I thought I'm just going to do my own like dubstep rave. So I hired out this, it was like a, a band venue. So I hired out that, I think it was like 150 quid or something. Um, I don't even know I got the money for that. I think I lent it somewhat. And then put on a rave, sold tickets at school. I remember I used to be like, you know, everyone used to sell sweets at school, but I'd be there yeah. with like with like rave tickets. Like, oh, you want to come to my gig proper, like Del Boy style. Yeah. And is this at 15 then? Yeah, yeah. And I ended up like, I don't know if I sold it out, but it was busy. Um, it must, I think it must have been like a maybe 200 cap venue and there must have easily been like 150 people. Yeah. But yeah, I remember like my mate were on door and he had like 600 quid in cash. And obviously when you're 15, like... That's mad, that, yeah. That's that's that like a few grand that. So I was like, oh my God, I'm balling here. Um. So yeah, that, that was like the... So the first ever rave I did, I actually just did it myself and just put me and a few of my mates on. Um. And then the second rave with that again. So, so I did that, I think it was like 30... Yeah, it was day before Valentine's Day. So it was 13th of February 2012 and then I did one after that in August I'm not too sure on date but that same year and then after that I think the first actual club gig I did um I used to I won this like um DJ competition for Space Jam um it was like in space at Leeds so then I got like a residency there just playing like remember when Deep House were like massive in yeah, 20... that was Sub 2012-2013 yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah it was just playing stuff like that um so I had that for like a couple of months and then, yeah, from, from there, like getting one residency, I think like the Leeds promoters seeing that. And then I just kind of started doing more residencies from there. And then sort of how, how was the uh, transition from like, so say you've been into dubstep and, and uh, that sort of music and then sort of shifting if, into deep house because like, because you're playing at a residency and that sort of club and that sort of vibe that was on there, was there like, were you having to go out and like, like discover loads and loads of new music and be like, right, I've got to sort of change my tune here a little bit with the music that I was listening to. Or was it like, had you always been into that? Uh, so it was just more just from the clubbing. So like, cause obviously on a random night out, like if you go to anywhere, like especially bougie places, not going to play Skrillex, I imagine no. that. Um, so it were all, I used to just go out, um, like with my, with my fake idea again but I had like a couple of friends who were DJs but they were more like um, they weren't artist DJs they're more like resident DJs uh, so I went out with them and I kind of just got into it from that to be honest uh, it was more like I just wanted to play in a club that bad I just kind of changed what I wanted I just kind of changed what I played to adapt in a sense because um, I was still like madly in love with dubstep and stuff i did like the house stuff but obviously my preference was dubstep but i just started playing like house just just for an excuse to play in a club really and then sort of like what was the um what was the first event or sort of festival or rave that you played at where you were like actually this is i've got something here where i can sort of like do it regularly and like i'm really enjoying it and it's got a bit of momentum behind it so I, luckily i had the I ended up getting this residency called Sticky Feet and that were like playing, they used to play like drum and bass, dubstep, like all the stuff I loved. So eventually I ended up, because I used to do residencies where I'd play like Kanye West and Taylor Swift. And Well, no, I say that because there were, there were a night called like Kanye West versus Taylor Swift. I remember thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why am, I, why am I doing this? But that night didn't really last that long. But yeah, and I ended up doing this night called Sticky Feet. So I ended up just doing that. Um, out of all of them, I just like quit most of my residencies and just did that. Um, and then that were like, cause that were weekly, that were kind of like, yeah, I can do this often. And then from there, 
I started releasing music and then I kind of just got bookings. So I had that one every Friday and then like usually I'd have a booking on a Saturday um, elsewhere. And then that's where I thought, yeah, I can probably do this. And with those residencies, like when you have multiple ones, because I've, I've not really experienced it before, was there any like clause in the contract or where like did any of the any of the brands sort of like try and get you like as an exclusive or were like oh well we don't we don't really want you playing for like all these other places type thing? No, not really, because uh, especially back then, like I want I was just like a resident. I want like well, I won't say like I'm a massive name now, but it's just like yeah, Pete, we're more like people that go for the night out rather than the DJs. Um, so it wasn't like that exclusive. I was just more playing. Play, well, I play to the crowd anyway, but do you know what I mean? Like more playing for people to get pissed rather than like yeah. they're, they're coming to see me or coming for the music necessarily fully. Um, so it wasn't that strict in that terms. And um, when you when you sort of like when you said about uh, producing your own music there and, and touching on that really, what were the, what were like the programs that you were using at the time or like what were your um, what were your influences at the time? Do you reckon? Uh, so I started on Fruity Loops, but then I remember when I did that creative media diploma, they were like, I remember saying to one of the teachers, cause he were like, he were like in a band, but he was like a recording engineer. And I was just like, oh, what shall I use to produce music? And I remember like, oh, you should get Ableton Live. So I remember downloading it and just thinking like, what the fuck? Do you know when you just open up a program and you're just like, what is this? I Daunting. don't know what, yeah, I don't know what anything does. But yeah, I just got that. And to be honest, I've not looked back since. Um, but yeah, like it took me, I, I'm kind of envious of these new producers because they seem to produce for like, a year and then they make a banger but i feel like for me it took me so long to actually make something decent like how think, long do you reckon so i start i started producing when i was 16 and i reckon it wasn't until i was like 20 21 i made something half decent so like four or five years yeah and is that just is that do you reckon that's you being overly self-critical and other people would be like oh no this is sick like, this is a vibe or was it sort of like your first uh track that got like commercial ish success that you were like oh, okay now it's now it's sort of like got the got the vibe there probably a bit of both i mean like because i'm making dubstep but i feel like I'm, i started making dubstep when it started like everything started to sound like a carbon copy yeah so like i just everything i made just sounded like everyone else and i really wasn't happy with it and then i remember one of the first tunes i put out it was called cmo i think it would check me out i basically because i was djing house gigs i tried to i tried to like merge house and like dubstep and drum and bass so it was like house beats with dubstep basses basically what baseline is now but like i did it without you know without calling it a name i just did mm. it and i was like oh yeah this sounds pretty sick and then a few people like, oh yeah feeling this and i uh, got a bit of club support but then i remember like i made a tune called switch up and um i remember i remember like flavor d did i put it on deep i think i put a like a little preview on deep i remember having a nap that day it's when i were at uni and i woke up to flavor d in my inbox like oh could you send us this tune if you got any more tunes and i thought i thought i was still dreaming i was like what <laughs> is this real because you know when you nap and you get that feeling when you don't you don't know yeah. what's going on like everything yeah. feels weird so i had that and i was like hey, what um but yeah then i sent her some tunes and she's like she's been supporting since then like big up flavor d yeah but yeah um so like that and then I realized they're actually like a full scene. I remember witnessing like uh, Off Me Nut and stuff like that, uh, Deadbeat, Thorpe, people like that. Um, and I met J69 and I realized they're actually a scene for all this kind of music. So it was weird. It was like I didn't make it influenced by people. I kind of just made it, but then actually, like, oh shit, there's actually a scene for this, which yeah. Uh, 
And especially being around that Leeds area as well, because that's obviously so like J69, Thorpey, um, Off Me Nut Records and stuff like that are all, at least they are all from Leeds, like Off Me Nut. She- Sheffield, all them lot. Sheffield, sorry. Yeah. Um, so that sort of northern scene there. And obviously Sheffield being iconic for, for baseline and niche um, nightclub and stuff like that. There's a, yeah, there's definitely sort of an influence in the scene around that area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I remember when I first met Josh, uh, we both DJed and EZ night. We just got put on back to back randomly and we just started chatting from there and then never looked back since then. We've just been best mates ever since. Oh, that's nice. That's a it's nice vibe. It's good to see. Yeah, it's good to see. Uh, obviously, behind the scenes and um, and people in the music industry because there's obviously a there's a lot of divas and a lot of egos and everything in in all music sort of industries and all walks of life really. But it's uh, yeah, it's nice to see when artists or DJs are that are like friends and get on and stuff yeah. like that. I suppose that's a good thing. I mean, probably like likewise with yourself. Like you can just meet friends for life doing this stuff. That's what I like kind of love about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I haven't really. Uh, haven't had any divas or that on the podcast yet, but I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> yeah. they will be in the future. I'm sure they will be in the future. Putting on your own headline tour across the UK is no small achievement. I spoke to Oliver about how he managed to organise it. So then, if we fast forward to 2019, your headline UK tour. Yeah. What what sort of made that the right time to be like? You know what? I'm putting on a headline tour, and I'm also going out to Germany as well to fly out there and have a show. Do you know what, that was more uh, frustration more than anything. Um, it was basically like, I just wasn't getting booked anywhere. And I was just, it was just really, I wasn't annoying me, but obviously when you're going on like Instagram and you're seeing everyone getting booked all weekend and you're like, oh, I'm not getting booked. And like you're putting out music and stuff. Because like the past, I get why I've not had much attention the past year or two years or so, because I've not really put anything out. But back then, like I felt like my output were good. I had good social media. Oh, I thought that anyway. So it was more just like, do you know what, if, because like my agent, I ended up not being with my agency and I was just like, yeah, I'll just do it myself. Um, so I ended up just setting up all that tour by myself. Um, but it was just more like, I just had a lot of friends like from them booking me before and stuff. So I was just like, oh, look, I'm putting on a tour. Would you be game on like getting me and a few friends involved? And like, because I do a, obviously... Um, when I'm not DJing, I'm freelance and I do a lot of graphic design. So it's like, I'm like, oh, I can do all the graphics, all the videos. But it kind of works because I'm proper OCD. So I like having everything tied in. Yeah. So, so like, like being able to have like creative control over, over the business. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I actually didn't mind doing that myself. But that's how it kind of come about. It more just, I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to say it myself and have a good time with lads, basically. Do you think, um, do you think it's sort of like crucial then for like artists and DJs to have, to have an agent? Or do you think that you can sort of get, you get what I mean? Like you got, a, you got a UK tour all off, off of your own back and, uh, and like, like you said, you did the design and stuff like that there as well. Like, do you think, like some people agents work for and they, they have got, they've got a good relationship and stuff with, um, but like, do you feel, obviously it's, it's proven that it's not necessarily key or essential to do it and still sort of being able to play out? Yeah. Um, I feel like if you want to play out, you don't need an agent, but like, obviously there's a certain stage you get to and you need to like, I, I've never been to that stage yet where I'd need an agent because I feel like like agent and management's more just like you're that busy or you need to focus just on music solely that you have them there to sort your stuff out. And obviously it's like everything, it's more connection based, like your agent's got good connections to festivals and whatnot. So when someone gets like a good agent, that's why they go all clear because they've just got the contacts there to play festivals. So like if you're just starting out, like anyone who's listening who's just starting out, you don't, it's just the same as like a studio. You don't need all the best equipment to make a good, like a banger so like you, you can just 
just vibe and like just make friends and do favors and just just have a good time like it's like you said before just don't be a diva basically but like obviously after a certain point you do need an agent to get like them big sick festivals and headline shows and whatnot it's just like you said that organization sort of being taken out of your hands because you're concentrating on other bits and pieces there so yeah that does, that does make sense i was going to ask her how did uh, adopting a fan go Adopting a fan, yeah. Did you adopt a fan for a day on that tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember to be fair because I was proper hung over and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to meet this guy. And then we ended up just going to the pub with him. Uh, we bought a few pints, chilled. And then, yeah, to be fair, I can't remember, it was a Manchester date. Um, I think, what, what club was that at? I can't remember what club we were at. What club were we at? I don't know. But um, Was it yeah, Factory? And, I think it was Factory, that's it, yeah. yeah. I thought I thought you'd know, because you're from Manchester, aren't you? Uh, not originally, but I live here oh, at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah fair yeah, play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then after that, like, just feeding feeding them drinks. And then I've, I remember just, I can't really remember that gig. I just remember listening back to the set next day after and thinking, wow, I'm not drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, did you record all of your sets on each leg of the gig? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, and is that is that for like you to listen back and go, oh, that's a good transition. I wouldn't put that song with that again. Or did you like put them out live for people? Uh, no, it was more just for myself. Just more like just to analyze and um, to see like what, what goes well with what. And just more like memories as well. Because sometimes, I don't know, the tune, one certain tune can go off like somewhere, but not anywhere else. But you'll never forget that time when it went off there. And it's just good to get. Because the mic I had picked up... Um, like live audio as well so it like mixes recorded and live so you can hear the crowd reaction it's just, oh, don't know, it's just more like a memories thing i guess yeah and what was uh what do you think you learned from your uh, from your sort of like first uk tour like is there anything you took away from it uh probably probably like you asked me to be fair like you don't need um an agent or a massive team to like set up a tour obviously it wasn't like a massive scale tour but like it were it were a successful tour in my eyes anyway like i had a good time um everyone else who went had a good time obviously we all got paid uh we had no bother yeah fantastic man and then from that tour through to uh through to the tour in 2020 when you supported a uh, supported example throughout his uh his entire uk tour how did that sort of come around yeah it's pretty bad so basically my manager uh, big up mickey he manages example as well um and he just messaged me like oh we're setting up a tour um next year this were like i think this was like middle of my own tour um and I always setting up a tour, for example, next year, would you, would you be game on like supporting all the dates? And obviously like stupid question, really yeah. Just instantly, <laughs> instantly said, yeah. Uh, so that's how that basically come about to be fair. And, um, and on that tour, obviously it was, uh, it was, uh, was it looking at the dates mid February to start of March. So just as stuff was starting to get underway, uh, for Corona and lockdown and everything like that setting the way, did you manage to complete all of the shows or did some of them get Cool no, sure. it come at such a good time because, like, yeah, it would, it would like it were following us. We'd be on tour bus, and it's like, oh, we play at Belfast, and it's like, oh, coronavirus has been found in Belfast, and then we go somewhere else, and it's like, oh, it's following us here. Um, but yeah, luckily, you we, might be spreading it around. Yeah, could have been us. Could have been us. Dirty sod. But um, yeah, no, nah, luckily we got the full free week in, um, and then like, obviously, like I said before. I had like a week just to, but to be fair, we just knocked out from the tar. Literally had a week, and the next thing you know, yeah, Boris, like, yes, we've got to stay in. We've got to. We only need three weeks, and then sixteen months later, we're here. That's a yeah, that's an uh, that's an all right uh, Boris Johnson impression there from uh, <laughs> from uh, from a northerner to do to do that. That's uh, that's not bad. That's not that's bad. That's all right. What was the uh, what was the craziest thing you saw on tour with uh, with example? 
Um, if you can say or bleep out names if you don't to be fair not really mad happened like Elliot example told me some mad stories of previous tours but obviously he's, he's got two kids and he's married now so obviously one as mad as thing but to be fair I feel like I'm quite boring anyway so uh, <laughs> yeah for, for a DJ I don't, know, I don't know if you are mate like I was going to get onto this point later so for anyone that doesn't follow your socials um, you are you're not shy to jump on camera which is which is a uh, rare for I'd say it's rare for certain artists, like especially in the electronic music scene. There's not um, too many people that are like. I find DJs and, and producers a lot of the time will have like quite a reserved personality and will be like producing music or that. But when you actually chat to them, they might be a little bit shy or they might not sort of be out there. But I'd say for you with your promo videos and uh, like with with highlight clips and stuff like that, and even to your Patreon that I was going to get onto later, you don't mind uh, jumping on there and advertising and stuff like that. Um, what what sort of like what sort of what sort of stems that or like what's the source of that do you reckon uh, i don't know to be fair um i suppose it's just like you you copy what you see in a sense so if i see like i love people like dylan francis and whatnot um i can't really think of any more examples but yeah i, I guess uh yeah, I don't know. To be fair, I think it's just the way I am. <laughs> yeah, that's what I could say. I don't think you'd, I, I wouldn't say you were boring uh, at all. So it surprised me when you were like, nah, oh, no, no, I, I, I appreciate it. that. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was, yeah, it's, it's, I'd say it's rare. It's definitely rare because obviously you work do um, like a lot of your promo videos are shot by the same lad, aren't they? Is it Ben Peacock? Yeah, Bear, yeah. Big yeah. up BPVs. Um, yeah, so he, he started because when I started DJing, I did a bit of videography as well. And I remember lending my camera and then from there, he's literally gone all clear. Like he's so sick now, at both video and photos. But uh, yeah, he's like just my go-to man now. And like, because obviously I know a bit of video editing as well and whatnot, like we work so well. Because it's not just like all him and we both put ideas together. So it's like a proper collaborative, collaborative effort. Yeah, you've got uh, yeah, you've got strong socials. Like, it's a good media presence. Uh, there's a good like your personality comes across in the videos and stuff like that. So it's a uh, it's definitely good because it just helps you build up your brand, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, and I appreciate. It. I'm always like uh, self con not self conscious, but I always feel like I could do better. So I appreciate you saying that. No, it's good, mate. It's good. You shouldn't. Uh, yeah, don't put yourself down. It's a it's it's a solid solid social game, mate. Solid social game. Um, one thing that I just mentioned there as well is that you started a uh, started a Patreon uh, during lockdown. Yeah, I think, when did I start it? I think I started it like end of 2019. Um, but yeah, I started, I promoted it, redid it all, promoted it in lockdown, did a few bits and bats. I kind of fell off with it, to be honest, um, just because like live takes over, um, yeah. like loads of freelance work and whatnot. But yeah, with that, it was just like, I was doing live streams, um, trying to build like a little community, give away samples, whatnot. Just same as like most other producers do now. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, is like, because obviously with with streaming services and with touring and everything that was that was taken away uh, lots of artists and djs have had to adapt for their like sources of income and and um like did you find that it was that was like a success for you like because you like you said that you had samples you had tunes you had uh, feedback on artists and on tracks if people wanted to like give it out there as well and then like access to your music and stuff as well did you uh, did you like have a good like reception is it something that you would like recommend artists do or is it actually quite difficult to be able to put out sort of like monthly content if you've got the time i definitely uh, recommend doing it i think it is more for like full purely full-time artists um like myself i work quite a lot outside of doing music so i think that's why it fell off just because I, I did find it hard to keep consistent with it on top of everything else um but yeah I definitely recommend it to like anyone it's so good like i've still got a few people who are on it so whoever if they're listening absolutely big up them yeah big up for the support mate right so bringing it all the way up to uh modern times and uh up to date now present time liberation 
I yeah. saw you uh, saw you post out. That's sort of your most up to date modern piece of work. Eighteen months in the making. Is it yeah, 40, forty tracks? Much. Yeah, forty tracks. Bang on forty tracks in eighteen months. And I saw you do sort of like I wouldn't. Is it a mix or is it sort of like a a, a blend? Well, that is obviously a mix. But like I saw like you saying about it, it's like one you've done a, a recording of it where it's like one continuous production using the stems and like creating it in Ableton. Yeah, is that so sort of like it's more than a mix? It's actually like creating the tracks and and mixing them but not in the sense of like having two tracks continuously yeah, not sure, no. so i mean it is basically a mix it's just me being pretentious but <laughs> um in, in a sense but like in my head i wanted to just make something that's like continuous um so everything is that fireworks i don't know why it's fireworks <laughs> going off but um, <laughs> they're celebrating my mix yeah they are um, that's, the, that's what I was, that, that was a surprise for the podcast recording mate i was just getting this bit around there like yeah let them off now we're talking about it we're talking about it Love that, but yeah, um, it's just like so. Uh, the The idea originally was to make like uh, loads of tunes that all seamlessly went together. So when you listen to it, it's not like when you can hear another tune coming necessarily. It's more like it just blends, so you don't really notice any transitions or anything. So the way I did it is, I just to be fair, rather than planning it, cause it's probably the worst thing you could do creatively. I was like, I'm just going to make tunes and see what happens. So I made like, oh, I've made about seventy tunes or something, but they were like the forty that all fit. So I made sure they were all like in key. Um, dragged alt stems did like an ableton project took me like two days to do because i was like right i need to bounce this put this in that goes that don't go and like a lot of switching and swapping um but yeah i don't know why it's just something i've always wanted to do it's more like a personal project more than anything um but yeah i'm, I'm just really happy with how it sounds especially like i was saying before just making all the genres like i feel like i've nailed the sound of like many genres but i, I also think well i hope that it's got like kind of my stamp on every genre and what was it sort of that made you want to uh, want to create that? Because there's not there's not too many artists that are, like. I, to be fair, I wouldn't be able to think of a, a single one now actually that's like sort of made that like continuous soundscape. But then obviously, like I assume that there'll be tracks that you can buy or download or stream of that separately as well. Yeah, that's the plan just to release stuff. But it's more just like I suppose it, I suppose it more of just a showcase because I've been that quiet. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. To be fair, I think I listen to a lot of. I think I listen to a lot of like long pieced long piece music i don't know if that's what you call it like 10 minute pieces that kind of it's not one song like obviously it's composed as one song but it like evolves and i kind of wanted to do that in a mix i just wanted to do something without sounding over top something that like kind of take you away into like a different world in a sense because my favorite things are like i think like albums it's like it's kind of sad how they're not really appreciated nowadays but i still love like listening to an album start to finish and like kind of being in someone else's soundscape and someone else's world in a sense yeah there's a yeah there's definitely a uh an immediacy culture a lot of the time with music now isn't there where you will just put tune on put this on uh quickly quick 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 like obviously tiktok and everything like that and people like tunes can be made or like made or break broken on there yeah uh, it's literally like, like the immediacy 30 seconds here 30, let's have this clip let's make a meme out of it type thing like that so yeah you're right uh albums nowadays are not as popular and like i remember li- even when i was younger like buying cds and then they'd have like the skits on there and it would be like yeah. in order of tracks and stuff like that and there'd be like you said a bit of a journey or a bit of a personality to an album because there was like the start to finish and like the outro of stuff and like slow fade when was the last time you had a slow fade on a new song true i started doing that in a few of my songs actually like, like i could end it but i was like do you know what even though it's more like hip-hop and like actual like vocal based music but i just started doing it in my own so like, you know what i, I miss that kind of vibe so I'm hashtag bring back the slow fade in it bring back, bring the, back the fade, fade. <laughs> bring back the fade that's what it is what's sort of like the worst thing that's happened to you while you've played live 
I played like well, probably I'm gonna say this before actually example tour, probably uh Brock Brock Mark, what did I do? Torn two ligaments in my ankle. I didn't right. know what time. Uh, wh- but yeah. When I said what's the craziest story from example, and you went, Oh no, there was nothing really to that. You broke two ligaments. Yeah, I didn't know at time. So basically I were uh, I think it were in Bournemouth. So the second to last date, so the Bournemouth and London. So I were I started doing this thing where in uh, example set I'd go in the crowd and just mosh pit with everyone and like yeah just have a good time and I was like I'm quite drunk and yeah we're mosh pitting like mad no injuries and then I literally walked up some stairs back to the green room bang I heard a big <laughs> I heard a big snap felt like someone shot me in the foot with a gun and I remember just shouting shit and then uh, one of my guy one of my mates who I met on tour we got Fern Quest coming and he were like oh what, what's up bro and they were like, mate, I think I've broke my ankle. And I could tell, like, no one believed me at the time. And the minute I took my sock off, it was like I took the golf ball in my skin. Oh, but no. But then the weirdest, the weirdest thing is a medic come out of nowhere in, like, 30 seconds. Like, where the – what? It was like he just morphed from ground. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but he, he didn't really say what we were up with it. I just got um, – I don't, I don't know what he put on it. But I remember being on crutches. And then the day after in London, the green room were three flights of stairs up. Oh, never, God. No, no other green room like that other than London's. And I had to do a five-hour set because I had on to do – On crutches? Well, now I sat down. So I was – I was sat down in front of like 3,000 people. I felt like everyone was watching. <laughs> I felt like everyone watching me do an office job. Yeah, doing a three hour set. What was it like? Because obviously. Because I were doing every. So I were the PA. So I, would do, I opened up and then I did Haler, who was a singer set. Then I did Majestic's alias playing old Kev, his set. And then I did Bonkers set. Um, and then I did my own. So that were like maybe four or five hours DJing until Example come on. And you must have been, what was it, like a high. Like a, a swimming pool chair, like that you were sat on. No, it was some high chair. That's yeah. what I mean. It can't be just like a normal sort of like yeah, office no, chair. No, on wheels, it, like yeah, thing. you've got to be on so... some like um like a lifeguard, like sitting yeah, around the end yeah. of the pool, like proper proper standing up. But fair play to you for like, obviously doing it because, uh, yeah, that's got to, that's got to be a fucking horrendous to do when you've got a wrapped up leg. Yeah, um, and how long did it take to recover? Uh, do you know what? I need to talk. Everyone was saying, like, "Oh, you're not," because I, I, at the time I proper loved running, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're not going to be able to walk properly for like another four months." Like, oh, for fuck's sake! I've just, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially when lockdown happened, like I want to run, like I need to do something, especially for mental health. But then after like three weeks, I could walk again. Then after like five weeks, I think I could run again. So it, well, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. That's a uh, yeah. That's not what that's not what you want. At least it was towards the towards the end of the tour. Yeah, it's, uh, that's what I kept saying to myself. If it would like mid tour, it'd be horrible. Did you get Did you get put in a cast and did he sign it? Uh, no, I so I didn't. What were it? So I did the gig Saturday. Come home Sunday, but I was that tired Sunday. I was just like, I'm just gonna leave it. I don't know why. And then the Monday, I finally went to. Um, I don't know if it A and E. It was like some like emergency hospital. And then that's when they said, oh, you torn two ligaments and then they just put a cast on. So I didn't have time for anyone to sign it because I was back home. That, okay, so that's the that's the worst thing that's happened at a, an example. Uh, oh, sorry, at the live shows there. What about a festival? Have you, uh, have you, what's the, like the weirdest thing that you've experienced at a festival? Uh, a festival? Because you played Greenfields as well, haven't you? Yeah, to before? be fair, the first ever festival I played, a baseline festival, like I won a competition to play it years ago. So it was like my first major festival. Uh, to be fair, I were on like one at first set, so it wasn't like rammed out the stage, but I were on the main stage. There must have been about a thousand people there or something. And at the time, like at my career, that were like a lot. Um, and then next thing you know, I must have been like 15 minutes from set. Next thing you know, all the power cuts off, even the lights, everything cuts off. And I'm like, what the fuck? Absolutely. Yeah. Pooed myself. Um, and then like 
everyone were booing me and stuff. And in my head, I'm like, can't you see electric's no. gone up? Yeah, I'm just like, it's clearly not me. But then I remember when I when it all got put back on, I played um, D&D, got to get through with this. That's when like, that tune, everyone was playing that tune. And obviously there was silence and all you had was dumb, dumb, dumb. And everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, right, thank fuck, I've saved this. <laughs> but yeah, that well, that's probably like the worst thing. So I'm like, wow. So like one thing I was going to touch on there as well is that uh, as you were saying about your Patreon and stuff before you've uh, you've released uh, Serum Sample Pack as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, so for I've people released. that aren't aware, Serum is a uh, it's not an, is it an emulator? Like it's a, a plugin. It's, for... it's, it's like a synthesizer, yeah, but it's yeah. quite popular nowadays. Um, so it's, it's where you can just make basses and like chords and like you just make all sounds on it. So like a virtual a virtual synthesizer that you use in music production programs that you can program with sort of like presets, which means that a bass might sound like something or a synth lead might sound like a certain way. Um, what was it that sort of stems used to create that? Mate? Uh, I don't know, to be fair. I've just seen a few people do it and I thought, uh, I'll do it myself because like, I'm just such a nerd when it comes to production. I'm, I proper like doing everything from scratch. Uh, not like there's no wrong with using samples. I'm just like, I just like to know why things work in like every aspect of life. So I just like to noodle in and... Uh, learn stuff so i just ended up making it was kind of like me recreating sounds and then just making my own and then i just had enough presets for oh, i might as well just like put them all in a pack and sell them i guess and then like when lockdown happened to be fair like loads of people because i put it on a sale because i thought do you know what? i'm not too bothered about the money i just want people to like kind of dive in so i just put it on a sale and to be fair loads of people buy and i got loads of good uh good comments about it which were good Fantastic, mate. And like you said there about being a, a nerd with music and a nerd with, with like the sound production type of stuff. Do you feel that there's a pressure? Because I know before in the past, like where you said that you were like a bass, a bass music artist, so you, you don't necessarily want to be pigeonholed into like one one sort of like subgenre within bass. Do you feel like pressure to make a certain type of music? So like with that liberation uh, project that you just created, do you feel like a pressure to make a certain type of sound? And um, and if so, where do you feel like that pressure comes from? So like, what's the source of it? Yeah, so I used to, so that liberation, the, like the kind of concept, well, one of the concepts of it's kind of like me, obviously, like liberating my mind and whatnot, because um, it's like I did pigeonhole myself quite a lot a few years ago when I was releasing stuff like Supersonic and Persian, like quite a lot of DJs would play my music, and it was like I kept feeling like I had to make stuff to that formula to for like DJs to play it into for people to listen. But then it's like minute you start making other stuff, people kind of like, oh, well, I want this again. It's just, the I mean, loads of artists say it's just kind of the standard procedure. Um, but yeah, I used to feel the pressure quite a lot. I think it's more just minute you get a bit of success, a minute you find a formula, you want to carry on with it. Um, but then it's, it don't fulfill you. Well, it depends who you are, but for me personally, it didn't really fulfill me. Um, so then that's, that's why I was just more like, yeah, I'm not too bothered. Because I, I do like another cliche thing to say, but I do just do music mainly for myself. And other people like that, that's like amazing. Um, but like my own satisfaction selfishly comes first. <laughs> and did you get, like, have you ever had any resistance to like new music that you've sort of edged into or a new sound that you've uh, ever edged into? Uh, luckily, no, to be honest. I've had a few people like, oh, um, when you're releasing Baseline next, no, no, no. Uh, but that, that's just like I wouldn't say I call that resistance like, obviously I appreciate people like that they're just wanting to know whenever the next tune's coming out um, but like luckily because I ain't done like a total because I'd say I'd say I'm making a lot more drum and bass now and it's kind of in the similar vein as bass line but obviously if I went straight to like techno or something 
um i could understand then why people probably would be a bit more resistant to it but yeah oh, that's yeah that's good mate that you are that you haven't or if yeah people have been uh, open-minded enough to go with you there really which is uh, which is great what do you wish uh, somebody had told you right back at the start of your like production sort of career or like producing when your music is there any sort of like tips or tricks for like producers or djs or artists that you could go like oh i really wish this had helped me out there that's a, a good question that um do you know what i'd probably say like just don't be harsh on yourself or don't like don't don't kind of pressure yourself from other artists like i look i proper like idolize people like and i'm always like oh, i wish my music was to their standards but then i listen to some stuff like i was going through all my old projects and sorting all my files out over there and i listen to some old projects and i'm like do you know at the time i remember in my head being like yeah this isn't a strong idea but then it's like no it actually bangs this but the the they're like, I suppose the insecurity of the track is more like, oh, well, this person won't like it or that person won't like it. So it's more just like, just follow what you want to do. And um, just because like, say your idols, maybe not, maybe don't like it or won't play it. That doesn't mean that it's a bad track. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 100%. It's just a, uh, yeah. Like you said, whatever, bringing it back to whatever makes you happy. And um, if you can sort of, uh, at the end of the day, like just because somebody might not be playing out type thing, if it, if it fulfills you and it's something that is going to scratch that itch that you want to get in there, then uh, that's, yeah, that's way more valuable to you as an artist and you as a producer than like a track that somebody might play just because you like the person type thing. Yeah. 100%. That's good advice, mate. Good advice. Um, what's going to be the biggest event of 2021? For me personally or in general? Yeah. Well, uh, for, uh, let's do both. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know in general, to be fair. But personally, for me, definitely Creamfields, um, obviously. Because I, I ain't really got much else after that. It's more just seeing what happens. And then in total, I don't even know. I feel like I need to look about now. Um, There's been a lot of festivals that unfortunately have, uh, have had to sort of cancel. Yeah, this, yeah, this is it. Like I've seen a lot of sick festivals, but then I've had to cancel. So it's hard to say. Um so yeah, the general one, I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't even sort of the big ones that are going ahead still, like you said, Creamfields, Park Life still at the moment is going ahead. Um, hopefully the warehouse project season won't be interrupted, so that'd be massive. And um, print work season will be having a massive event as well. But uh, yeah, stuff like Glastonbury and Boomtown and other bits and pieces like that, obviously, unfortunately, uh, got sort of had to had to have a fallow year again, which is a uh, which is not fantastic, uh, fantastic for everyone. Um, what do you class as a win nowadays, mate? Just to, just to finish up on like what what sort of makes you a uh, what sort of makes you happy with music? So like the definition of success, so to say, uh, probably probably just being happy with like what you're making, um, and probably like my kind of mantra for music is now like make stuff that you'll be proud of in ten years' time, rather than making some that. Oh, bang now, but in 10 years time, like, why did I make that? So like, just make stuff for your general discography rather than stuff for now. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you're not on the list. All right, all right.